0: Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. And, of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is the card you've all been waiting for. UFC 264, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier 3. It is going to be an absolutely crazy main event, and there are so many good fights on this card, especially the pay-per-view card. But as you know, we will not be breaking down those fights because they are on the pay-per-view portion of the card and not the prelims, which is what we really care about here at the Prelim Primer. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and asking yourself, "Why? Why are we so focused on the prelims when there is Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, when there's, you know, Wonderboy versus Gilbert Burns, where there's Sean O'Malley's fighting and Tai Tuivasa versus Greg Hardy? Why are we focused on the prelims?" The answer is really simple. The answer is that we know you guys know all of those names I just rattled off and Yana Kunitskaya and Irene Aldana, but you probably don't know a lot of these names on the prelims. So that's what we're here to do. We're here to help you out, whether you're gambling, playing daily fantasy sports, or hey, maybe you just want to win that pick'em contest that you entered. And speaking of Pick'em Contest, I would be remiss if I did not mention that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by Fanatics MMA, the most comprehensive MMA pick app that exists today. They've got fighter bios, records, odds, all right in the palm of your hand while you're making your picks. They've got so many cool features. I ain't got time to tell you about them all right now, although I will a little bit later on in the show. But let me just tell you something, they have got it all, the graphics pop, it's super easy to use, I would suggest going to wherever it is you download apps right now, and downloading it before you get started with the show, because then I'm going to tell you about these free limb portions of the, the fight card, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit more about some of their other features. Now, let's get to some of those fights that I had been talking about in order to break those down, i got to be joined by a co-host... Joining me today from the Fix Fights podcast with Kurt and Ben, Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, thanks for joining me.
1: Always a pleasure, man. I'm happy to do it.
0: All right, guys. And as you know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about the fight we all want to see, which is Ryan Hall versus Aaliyah Toporia. Hall, 4-0 in the UFC. His last win came over Darren Elkins. Of course, that was in July of 2019, so it has been two years since we've seen him. Tapuria meanwhile, has fought much more recent. He's 2-0 in the UFC. He last beat Damon Jackson with a vicious knockout back in December. So here's my question to you to kick this one off. I, I think Aaliyah Tapuria comes out with tons of pressure. That's kind of his style. If he does that, Ryan Hall has a tendency just to fall to his back in and in an invite a grappling match. Do you think Tapuria is actually going to engage him in that ground match?
1: This is such a hard fight to break down i think i think as all ryan hall fights are and i don't mean to dodge your question but it's so hard to say right because like you said Toporia is a a dude he's dynamite on the feet he's very dynamic but a lot of these guys are are sort of afraid to open up because ryan hall does just the, the weirdest stuff right he'll fall to his back he'll roll for R rolls he'll jump guard um I don't think that Toporia will engage him on the ground willingly. But again, Ryan Hull, Ryan so Ryan Hall is not like your your generic like, all right, I'm going to shoot a double, press you against the fence, take you down, right? He, he just throws so weird weird stuff out, so it's it's honestly really really hard to answer, man.
0: Yeah, I think it's hard to answer too. I, I will say I've seen a couple of interviews with Topuria out there saying he thinks he could start this fight in 50-50 and win it. And that to me is a good luck with that. Yeah. That's a red flag right there. Right. Like, because like, I don't believe you're right. The position was basically named for Ryan Hall. He's got a school named 50, 50 jujitsu for Christ's sake. So like, I I don't think that that's the right approach for him. I mean, like if he can avoid the ground, I, I do like his striking here. Although I do also think Ryan Hall's striking is super underrated too. Like he looked good in that, that Darren Elkins fight. He even had him wobbly once or twice. Um, so like if this does go to the ground, I actually think I favor Ryan Hall. I, I think he he has the attacks to get to where he needs to. But you're right, it, it's that question. Like, is Tapuria going to engage enough in it? Is Ryan Hall's jumping guard gonna actually work? Is he gonna disengage? It is a such a, so many question marks following this fight. It is a huge question mark as far as a result. I just don't know how I think this is going to go. I do. Uh, like I said, I, I'm going to favor to on the feet. I'm going to favor Ryan Hall on the map, but then I guess just is the question for you, who do you got in this one? If you do have to make a pick and how do you got him winning it?
1: I mean, correct me if I'm wrong or quick though. I believe Ilya Siporia is a black belt.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Ryan Hall is kind of like an enigma, right? Like, Dude, he, he won the Ultimate Fighter in what, like 2015, I want to say? And he's only had three fights since then. So you, it's like you don't really have that much to go off, but you kind of know what he's going to do. I'm going with Ryan Hall, man. I just think that, you know, if you fight a wrestler or fight a grappler, they're mostly coming in, like I said, with double, single legs, trying to press you against the fence. Maybe they'll pull guard. But I think Ryan Hall just has so many ways to get the fight to the mat. I think it's going to be scary for him on the feet when it's there, but if Ryan Hall's throwing different things and and, and Toporia's not liking what he's seeing, it could it could really lower Toporia's output. I'm going with Ryan Hall by second round rear naked choke. I think he throws an Imanari roll. I think he, he enters an entanglement, scrambles on top, gets to his back and finishes him i'm going ryan hall man
0: i'm gonna go with ryan hall too and and you know what a couple of things finally swayed me because i've been back and forth about eight times on this i think yes i believe in his grappling and like you said all the different ways he gets it to the mat but i'll also say this I, i think the growth we've seen in him as a striker from fight to fight and there has been large gaps but largely i think he's been working on shoring up those holes that we we largely expect from him on the feet so I think he does make it difficult enough for Tapuria that he has to get in close and that one of those takedowns work. So, yeah, I'm going to take him. I'm going to say he wins by submission, too. I'm not going to get his fancy and call which submission, but I'm going to say <laughs> he gets it done. I'll give him third round. I'm going to say Tapuria survives until then. And that's going to bring us to another absolutely bonkers fight to call, and that is Nico Price versus Michelle Pereira. Price is 1 1 and 1 in his last three. He beat James Vick, lost to Vicente Luque, and of course, drew Cowboy Cerrone last time out. Pereira, meanwhile, after having kind of a rough start to his career, won back to back wins over Zalim Imada- Imadaev and Chaos Williams. So, man, dude, I guess my the only question I'm just going to ask is how quickly do you expect this to get wild, and how wild do you expect this to get?
1: I expect it to get wild very quickly. And I expect it to get very wild. I think Michelle Pereira, especially against Chaos Thompson, Chaos Thompson, Chaos Williams, um, I thought he showed a more measured approach, but I mean, I think chaos also kinda played into it that as well. I don't think Nico Price has that gear, uh, you know, in in his set, right? I think he is just always about chaos. And I think Michelle Pereira is going to welcome that. This fight is going to be absolute fucking bonkers.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right there. Is I think Nico Price is more willing to embrace the chaos than chaos was, um, ironically Absolutely. enough. And and it's yeah. and it's going to be worse for Michelle Pereira, I think, because like you said, I think Pereira, despite the fact that he loves to do like backflips off the cage and like the weirdest shit you've ever seen. I actually think a more technical approach favors him in a lot of different fights, including that Chaos Williams one. So getting lured into what he probably shouldn't hear against Nico Price, I think is actually probably worse for him. So, uh, man, it's going to be crazy, it's going to be wild, but if you've got to wager a prediction, who do you see winning this one and how do you see him winning it?
1: I'm going to go Nico Price. I, ca- I I do like his skill set. Again, he, he's very wild, but... He does a lot of things good. Um, I kind of like his gas tank a little bit better, too, than Pereira's. I'm going Nico Price. I'm going to say by decision because I think they're both pretty damn tough. But if, if there's a finish either way within a distance, I would not be surprised. But, yeah, Nico Price by decision.
0: I'm going to take Nico Price, too. I'm actually going to say he gets the stoppage here. But I, I will say what you said just a moment ago was perfect. His durability – is ridiculous and I think ultimately that could be a big piece of this fight because you're right Pereira's uh, moves around a ton he he tires himself out there's so many things there to question and he he for sure gassed out about against Tristan Connelly so if Nico draws him into that type of fight I can see Nico getting a late stoppage here by TKO and that's going to do it for the end of our first round we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back with round number two All right, guys, well, I mentioned at the top of the show that I was going to tell you about some of the other features of Fanatics MMA that make the app just so great. My personal favorite is the scoring system. The scoring system, it's so much better than just wins and losses, although they do show you wins and losses, too, but it's so much more than that. They've actually got a scoring system that's built in that shows you how you're doing against the Vegas odds. That's right, how you're doing against the Vegas odds, which really is like a fighter IQ score because if you just go wins and losses, you got a win percentage. Not all of those wins are created equal. You pick a big underdog to win, you deserve to be rewarded for that. And that's what the Fanatics MMA system does. And let me tell you something, they've got other cool bonuses built right into it that give you more points or more dollars, if you want to call them dollars, dollars for making sure that you pick the right method of the fight too. So check out all those really cool features when you download Fanatics MMA, wherever it is you download apps. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock and I'm going to start this round by talking about Carlos Condit versus Max Griffin. So Carlos Condit is actually coming off back-to-back wins, both being decisions over Court McGee and Matt Brown, Max Griffin. Meanwhile, also coming off back-to-back wins. Of course, his were both TKO first. He made Ramiz Brahimai's ear explode, and then he knocked out Kanan song viciously. So we're actually going to start this talking about Carlos Condit. So, he looks like he's going through a little career resurgence. He's relying on his offensive grappling more. He is stuffing more takedowns. Are you buying this career resurgence of Carlos Conde? And if so, does he have enough to deal with like the striking and the heavy strikes of the much improved Max Griffin?
1: I am buying into it, man. I think he's looked really good. And now looking back at that Matt Brown win, especially... The way Matt Brown looked in his last fight, I, dude, I think it's a really, really good win. Court McGee as well. Court McGee's a very good grappler and wrestler, and I thought Carlos handled himself very well in that fight. I think Condit's always been a very durable guy, um, and even late into his career. I mean, you look at the the, the list of guys he lost to um, you know, in that terrible stretch he had. I mean, dude, every single guy was a stud. Um, he's kind of taken a step back in competition, and that's good for him at this point of his career. Uh, I've always liked his striking. I mean, he's an offensive dynamo. Uh, dude, I'm I'm really bought into what he's doing right now. And it feels really good. You know, Carlos is one of, like, the, the vets of the sport. He's always seemed like a really good down-to-earth guy. So, yeah, I'm excited for it, man.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's looked really good, too. Um, And, and like I said, I, I think – fixing those gaps we thought he had in his takedown defense, as well as embracing, I mean, like he offensively wrestled Matt Brown up pretty good And, and Matt Brown, you know, not, not a, you know, the, a big power wrestler, like we think of some guys in this division, but like he has serviceable grappling. So for Condit to have done that to him is pretty impressive. Now, I guess the bigger question is, is that, you know, Matt Brown and court McGee, you know, both kind of wrestler guys now we're well, I guess Matt Brown's got the hands too. Now we're looking at Max Griffin, a guy who's gone out and deaded a couple of guys in a row. What do you think about Carlos Condit against a guy like that?
1: I mean, dude, Carlos, here's the thing. Carlos Condit has fought it all. He's fought strikers. He's fought grapplers. He's fought every, you know, everybody in his career. And Max Griffin, like like you said before, he went through a rough pass, but he's looked really good in his last two fights. And I think he's actually getting better with age, but I just think Condit, is the craftier fighter? Um, he's seen it all. He knows how to dig, how to negate, um, you know, different styles. He's been hit with the hardest punches before, and like you said, his offensive wrestling has looked a lot better. And I think he will lean on it in this fight, especially if he gets hurt or he or he's not liking what's going on in the feet. I think he can time a takedown and bank some some time on top.
0: So it sounds like you're leaning to Carlos Condit by decision. Is that the official pick here?
1: I am leaning towards Carlos Condit, but. I'm going to go Carlos Conant by rear naked choke late. I think he's going to be able to bank some time on top. I think he's going to be able to tire uh, Max Griffin out a bit. I think he gets a takedown in the third round, works his way to his back, and finishes him with rear naked choke.
0: All right, and I'm going to differ with you on this one. I am going to go with Max Griffin. I I just think the the power of Max Griffin and and what we've seen from him out of just pure strength level – I think in the last two fights, I've been really impressed by him. So I'm going to say he keeps this standing long enough and he wins a decision. Because I think both of these two guys, just kind of warriors who are hard to get out of there. But I definitely think this one could go either way. And that brings us to our next fight, which is Trevin Giles versus Driscus Tuplices. Giles on a three-fight winning streak. He beat James Krause, Bevan Lewis, and Roman Delize. That last fight was in March. Driscus Tuplices won his UFC debut over Marcus Perez. That was in October. And he knocked him out hard. So here's my question for you. DePuisis, a guy who's got amazing counter striking. I'm really impressed with, with his counter, especially the counter left hand. What would you say is the best approach for Giles here to sort of avoid that, but also get his own offense going?
1: So Giles works pretty well behind the jab. He's very accurate. Um, the The thing that worries me for Giles is um, Duplesis has a very, very good kicking game. He can chew up Giles' legs, especially if Giles, who tends to plant pretty heavy on his front leg to throw power, um, could run into problems there. But I think if Giles can start working behind his jab, put Duplesis on the back foot, and really get in the rhythm, I think he can cause a lot of problems for Duplesis.
0: I think he can too, but here's another thing I'm just going to throw in here as a wrench. Trevin Giles is a guy who, despite the fact that sometimes he's having a lot of success on the feet, and maybe even he's fighting a guy with a good uh, grappling game, sometimes shoots a takedown. Um, you yes. know what I mean? Like, we, <laughs> I mean, we saw it with the Gerald Mearshart fight, right? Like He should have been winning that fight, shot a takedown. Um, and, and he fought sh- sh- shot takedowns against Roman Delize, which, you know, he's a pretty good jujitsu guy too, although he was much more tired in that fight. My question for you, if he does that against Duplesis, is it game over? Is Duplesis going to sub him yet?
1: I don't I don't think so. I think I think Giles will be able to work on top. And again, it depends on when he's timing that takedown, right? But I don't see Duplesis being able to sub Giles. I think Giles has actually been pretty damn underrated so far in his career. I really, I do like what he's doing. I think this is a uh, really good matchmaking. I think it makes for an excellent fight. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Duplesis subs him though, unless like, Maybe he's, like, hurt or very tired, and he shoots a shitty takedown and winds up on, like, a triangle or, like, a guillotine or something random like that.
0: Yeah, and it is worth noting that both of his last two losses are both by guillotine, Gerald Mearschardt and Zach Cummins. So I I guess that brings us to the final question here. Who do you got and how do you got him?
1: I'm leaning towards Trevin Giles. I think he's going to gut out a win. I think both these guys are going to do a lot of good in this fight, but I'm going Giles by decision.
0: All right, and I'm actually going to go with Duplesis, and and I'm going to go by guillotine choke, too, because if you look in his last seven wins, three of them are guillotine choke finishes, and the rest of them pretty much are counter punches. So I like Duplesis here to probably finish Trevin Giles, but it is going to be a good one, too. Like you said, great matchmaking. Another good piece of matchmaking is the last fight in our second round, which is Jennifer Maya versus Jessica I. Both of them kind of on rough skids. Maya won and two in her last three. Of course, that last loss came to Valentina Shevchenko in December or in uh, November. That came by decision. Jessica I won and three in her last four. Lost to JoJo Calderwood back in January. I- I'm having trouble figuring out where this fight's gonna take place because you know I can wrestle a little bit. Maya took down Valentina Shevchenko. They both sometimes forget that they like to grapple. You know, like some. Uh, you know, Maya kind of likes being taken down. Where do you see this fight taking place?
1: I, I, yeah, I'm with you man. This fight could could take place all over the place, right? Um and Jessica Isaac is a good grappler herself. You know, I think Maya is, is has a solid frame for the division. Um do this what this is a I, I this is a good bit of matchmaking as well. It's kind of hard to get a read on. But yeah, I think it could take place all over. I think I think both could get takedowns. I think both could have success on the feet. Um who do I think would initiate the ground game first? I would go with Maya, though, if I had to answer your question. Yeah, and I, I
0: think she's going to have uh, – here, here's my my thought on it is I, I think she's going to have more problems on the feet. I, I actually think I is going to do better on the feet than Maya does, and that's going to force Maya to shoot. And I actually think she ought to shoot before she's being forced to. Like if she waits until she starts getting tagged – you're going to see more desperate shots and her further out against I, who's a pretty good defensive wrestler. I, I think she's actually underrated in that sense. Um, you know, she stuffed Misha Tate way back when at 135 pounds, a bunch of times. So I, I think if, if Maya waits that long, I think she's going to be in trouble if she shoots earlier and maybe even surprises. I early on, I think that's the the key to victory here. I just don't know that necessarily that she's going to do it. So we are unfortunately at the end of this time for this round, though. So, who do you got in this
1: one? How do you got him? Here's another question too: Do they both make weight? Um, <laughs> I I am gonna go with Jennifer Maya by decision. Like I said, I think I think she will mix it up a little bit more. Um, really tough fights, to call though.
0: Yeah, and we're going to differ on everyone in this this uh, whole round. I, I'm going to go with Jessica I in this one. I, I think for sure this one goes to a decision, and I think she just has enough success on the feet that they, they give the nod her way. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number three. All right, guys, just one more feature of the Fanatics MMA app that I really wanted to tell you about before we get started with round three, and that's the group function. Really cool thing about Fanatics of MMA is they allow you to get a group of friends all right into one pick em section. And the really cool thing about that is not only are you just able to see your friend's picks, fight to fight, and see how they're doing as the fights are happening, but you can also chat with them. You know, hey, maybe Twitter bogs you down a little bit too much. Maybe you got that one friend who doesn't have an iPhone and their their text messages come through all weird because they got an Android No longer do you have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about the friend who's not on Facebook and can't message. It's all right in the Fanatics MMA app so you can talk smack to the people you're beating up right now. So I highly suggest head into the Fanatics MMA app, start your own group with your friends, and hey, while you're there, why not join the Top Turtle MMA group, which you can do, of course, by checking out the link in the profile of our, our Instagram or our Twitter, and you can also find it in the show notes to this very episode. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Omari Akhmedov versus Brad Tavares. Akhmedov, actually 4-1 in his last five, which is kind of a sleeper record there. The only loss was to Chris Weidman. He rebounded after that loss with a submission win over Tom Brees. That was in January. Brad Tavares, meanwhile, 1-2 in his last three. It was two losses in a row to Edmund Shabazian and Israel Adesanya. Of course, those a little while ago but then he did get the win this year against Shoeface, uh, and, and that was obviously a pretty big win for him because not only did he deal with the grappling of Shoeface, he dealt with the wrestling of him. So my question is: is in this fight, do you expect him to be able to stay on his feet enough against Akmedov to be able to win it?
1: So when we saw Akmedov fight Chris Weidman, his gas tank got sapped pretty quickly, right? Um, Tavares has always been a guy that that has good takedown defense, But the, the thing that worries me about Tavares is sometimes, especially when he's fighting, you know, the upper tier of fighters, he gets very like complacent on the feet where he doesn't throw a lot. Um, So I, I'm leaning kind of like in the middle ground there. Like is Tavares going to throw enough to keep Ahmed off, off of him? And is he going to be able to keep it on the feet long enough to start sapping that gas tank? Um, I'm leaning towards no. I'm leaning towards Akhmedov being able to take him down, and that's just because Tavares, A, has had a, a, an extremely long UFC career. I mean he made his debut all the way back in like 2010. He's fought the best of the best, and I just think he's kind of on the downside of his career where Akhmedov sans the Chris Weidman fight has been very impressive in the UFC. So I think Akmedov is going to be able to get takedowns and uh, control as long as he can. It's also crazy that Brad Tavares is only 33 years old. That's wild. Um, I mean, this is this is a good bit of match we can get.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too, and, and I kind of agree with you here. I, I think Brad Tavares is on the downswing, and I just think ultimately the problem here is going to be he doesn't defend enough takedown. So I, I'm going to take Akmedov. I, I think decision is probably the safe bet here. Is that what you're going with too?
1: Yeah, I'm going with Akmedov by decision. Um, I'm not completely ruling out a, a tired Akmedov maybe getting pushed towards the end of the fight, but. He's probably going to bank enough time in the first two rounds. I think Tavares might make it close in the third, but yeah, I'm, I'm going Akhmedov as well.
0: I agree a hundred percent. And that brings us to our next fight, which is a <laughs> oh, weird one. Zalga Zumagulov versus Jerome Rivera. Zumagulov, 0-2 in the UFC, losses to Raulon Pavia and Amir Albezi, both of those by decision. Jerome Rivera, meanwhile, is 0-3 in the UFC. He lost Tyson Nam by KO, the little Figueredo brother by decision, and Ode Osborne by knockout as well. They're a combined 0-5 in the UFC. i got to imagine both of them are fighting for their jobs. In those five losses, was there something you saw in one of these two fighters that gives you at least a little confidence in this one?
1: Yeah, so I actually thought Zuma Gulov beat Paiva. Um, Zuma Gulov is a very, very well-rounded. I think he's a good grappler. Um, he's got fast hands. He, he can counter well. Jerome Rivera is fun, though. He, he's a good volume striker. Uh, he's got great kicks. I think this fight could be wild at times. I just think the great equalizer is going to be Zuma Gulov's ability to get Rivera on the ground. Rivera doesn't have the best takedown defense or honestly the best striking defense either. Um, I just think he's a more well-rounded fighter. I,
0: I think you're right in this. I, I think Zuma Gulov, if he decides to go to that, will have a good time with it. Like I, I think he, his offensive wrestling will play. My worry is that he won't use it. Because um, I, I think that's kind of been my my issue with him all along, is that sometimes he looks a little tentative to use what he uses. And Rivera, if he comes out aggressive, like he did against Figueredo in the third round, because he actually beat Davison Figueredo, not Davison Figueredo, the other one, Francisco Figueredo, in that third round, he took it on all three judges' scorecards. I, I think if he comes out with that kind of aggression, with that desperation, which I think you sort of have to have, I think he's going to put Zuma Gulov on the back leg enough that like, it's going to make him take sloppier shots or it's going to make him, you know, fall into a firefight with him. And, and I think that favors Rivera. I'm just curious if he's going to do it enough to win here. So it, it's a weird fight. It's a tough fight to call, but it sounds like you're leaning Zuma Gulov. Do you think he gets it done with the hands or do you think he wins this by decision?
1: I think he gets it done by decision. I think he is going to lean on his wrestling a bit. I think on the feet, there could be some wild exchanges, but uh, yeah, I just think he's going to be leaning on his wrestling more to try. Because again, Rivera is a very active striker. I think to to nullify that and slow him down, he's going to have to lean on his wrestling, and I think he wins by decision.
0: All right, and I'm actually going to go with with Jerome Rivera in this one. While while I like Zuma Gulov, he is only three of twelve or three of eleven on his takedown attempts in the UFC. And yeah, Jerome Rivera is maybe not as good as Paiva or El but I'm going to say he keeps it on the feet enough to win a decision here. And that brings us to our last fight, which is Alan Almondovsky versus Yao Hu. Almondovsky, 0-2 in the UFC with losses to Christoph Jocko and John Phillips, the latter of which he got knocked out in 14 seconds. That was all the way back in September of 2019, so almost two full years ago. His opponent, Yao Zong Hu, 0-2 in the UFC with losses to Surreal Asker at heavyweight in Rashad Culture, at light heavyweight The later of the two of those was in November of 2018. So moving in on three years. So again, another rough batch of records here and guys probably fighting for their career. Also with big layoffs. So that makes it even crazier. Let's start here. Who is coming down in weight class for a second time? He fought at heavyweight, light heavyweight. Now he's fighting at 185. What are your thoughts on him moving down again?
1: Well, I... I you know researching this i saw some video of him hitting pads i thought he looked pretty good again like you know obviously the pad is not going to hit back right but at least body wise he looked pretty good he looked lean um but, but yeah i mean he's he's two in the ufc he he fought at heavyweight and then he fought at light heavyweight he also hasn't fought in in 3 years it it's kind of hard to tell but at least what i saw from the training footage I, he looks pretty good
0: yeah, and if we go back to their last fights, and, and I think that's all you can do when you're breaking down a fight like this, is Amandowski it throws kind of recklessly. Everything kind of feels a little bit overly mechanical. Um, but, like, he throws a lot, and he throws really hard. And then when we're looking at who, in, in those fights, like you said, he might look better on the pads now, but he looked a little little rough on the feet. Didn't look like he had too much... But he did do a really good job of holding Rashad Coulter up against the cage. He's very strong, which is interesting because that was strong at light heavyweight. And now if he's at middleweight and you're saying he looks better, man, it's hard to, like, you know, gauge how to pick a fight where you haven't seen either guy in almost two years and one of the guys in three years. You haven't seen a win for either of them. And I think that I saw neither of them have won in the last four years Man, it's crazy. Uh but I'm gonna, you know, let's let's call it right here. Who do you got? How do you got him?
1: So I am gonna go with uh Hugh Yazong. Did I say that right? I think you um, nailed it. <laughs> I just I think he's a little bit more well rounded. Uh haven't seen a lot on the ground from Amadovsky. And like you said, he's very wild on the feet, everything is looping. Um I'm gonna go Yazong by stoppage I, I don't know well, let's go first round I haven't picked a first round stoppage yet but again another fight both guys are going to be desperate for a win we haven't seen either of them anytime recently so could be a fire fight I have no idea I'm going Yazong first round knockout
0: I'm actually going to go with Yazong too. And I think he gets a knockout here as well. And maybe I might say TKO. I I think he might get the ground and pound because when when I saw him put Rashad Coulter against the cage, I was like, you know, I was getting ready to watch film on a guy who I assumed was terrible at three and two and zero and two in the UFC. And I was like, oh, this dude can actually, he can grapple a little bit and he's strong a little bit. And then when you told me he looked good on pads and he's looking fit and like I'm having a little bit more faith in him. And, and you know, like if you're three and two in your career and they're only installing you as a a plus 120 underdog, they've got to have pretty lowly opinions of your opponent. So I I think, hey, maybe the upset is here. Maybe his first UFC win is here. I'm going to go who as well. Um, And like I said, I'll say TKO. I'll give him to the second round. I'm not going to take him in the first. Um, And that's going to do it for the end of our third round. It is a crazy set of prelims. It is a crazy main card. And of course, all headlined by Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. So you're going to want to tune in this weekend. And hopefully in the time you've spent listening to us, you learned a little something about the prelims. I once again, want to thank my co-host. You can of course find him on the fixed fights podcast with Kurt and Ben and on Twitter at kcpko. Kurt, Chase, Patrick, Kurt, Thanks so much for joining me.
1: It's always a pleasure, man. Can't wait to do it again.